0: Tavern Squad is a tabletop RPG podcast that features adult
1: language and themes. Listener discretion is advised. Hello and welcome to the Tavern. I'm your Dungeon Master, your Innkeeper, and your host, Connor Everly. Here to pour you the next perilous pint of our main campaign, where we play the Dungeons & Dragons 5th Edition homebrew campaign, titled Land of Corruption. Before we begin... We wanted to say thank you out there to everyone who has been participating in our sticker giveaways. We have run out, which we didn't think would happen as quickly as it did, but here we are. Keep an eye out on our social media pages to see when the next batch of stickers is coming out. Wanted to say another thanks to those who have been leaving reviews for our Pub Goblin Sneed to broadcast at the end of our shows. Stick around after the program to hear Sneed reading and leave us your review if you want to show us some love and hearken to the heavenly sounds of a goblin announcing what you wrote. This episode features sound effects and musical tracks created by the RPG music maker, Travis Savoye. Go on YouTube and search RPG Music Maker to find his tracks. We also have a link to his YouTube channel in the episode notes. Thank you, dear listener, for coming back and listening to the tales we weave. Enjoy the program, and I'll see you at the end of the episode. Previously on Tavern Squad. After the Battle of Station 3 and the disappearance of Bryn, the party headed southward to the canal dig site to confront Wago. During their venture into the neighboring forest, they found a small clearing to rest after a long day of travel. While they camped, Harry saw some mysterious form floating in the forest, weaving around trees and emitting light and a haunting giggle that only he could perceive. When Harry and Forge went to investigate this anomaly, they soon realized their camp was surrounded by Gold Tribe scouts. Luckily for our party, these scouts were not hostile rebels. Instead, they were part of the Gold Tribe chieftain's escort. Turk recognized the lead scout, Jacobs, who, upon seeing Turk, lowered his weapons and welcomed the gang. Jacobs then guided our party to the top of Saka Peak, where they met the great chief, Ago. While holding council, Ago expressed his concerns for his son's mental and spiritual well-being and divulged the great distrust of the Verimokians, Jeff Benson, owner of Benson Delvite, in particular. The party agreed to talk to Wago and try to bury the access tunnel to the subterranean temple of the rotten tree Gulthias. The party stayed the night on Saka Peak, enjoyed some of Miss Pear's partridge-and-pear soup, and Turk basked in the nostalgic feelings of being surrounded by his kin. The next morning, Ago granted our adventurers some magic items and wished them luck in their quest. Where we last left off, The party made it to the excavation site and laid eyes upon Wago's forces.
0: Since the dawn of high fantasy RPGs, there has been no greater stage for a story to be told, or to begin, than a tavern. The mythical epicenter for both adventure and drink alike. Armed with their dice, tankards, and creative expression, Five D&D nerds quest for glory, and to keep traditional narrative cliché alive. This is Tavern Squad.
1: I want to describe this concisely for the listener, so the way I'm going to describe this space is by describing the farthest thing you see and move closer towards your party. For the listener we have a screenshot of this map available on the website for you to follow along the dig site is situated in a wide shallow valley there is a clearing running along the basin and forest hugging the hills on the far west side and the east side where you are across from you to the far west you see a prominent hill similar to the one on which you stand on top of this hill sits a large regal teepee style tent that stands alone looming over a small cluster of tents at the base of the hill. In the middle of the valley, you see the dig site and the canal. The dig site is clear and dry thanks to the work of arcanists that keep the canal water from rushing into the excavated area. The result of the arcanists' work is a wall of water that separates the dig site from the canal, which stretches far to the north toward Ambition and Veramont. Parallel to the canal runs a rail line that consists of a single, four-foot-tall track that continues a few hundred feet past the edge of the excavation and into the encampment. So here is where it may get a little bit messy, so let me just try my best. On the near side of the canal, and directly in front of you, there is an engine yard where you see Tahosian machinery, skluck shovels, and bulldozers. To the north of that, or to your right, there is a skluck tank and the rail station where a handcar is parked on the tracks. On the near-slash-eastern side of the engine yard, there is a large pen where you see all manner of animals being kept. Bears, elk, badgers, wolverines, mirecats, and all of them seem agitated, pacing within this space. Luckily, they don't seem to be giving each other any trouble. Wrapping around the animal pen and swooping southward towards your left, you see a tent village. Some of them are burned, but it looks like the Gold Tribe rebels have taken up housing here. There's an open space to the south of the dig site, meant to leave a path clear of obstructions for the excavation work. This nearest slash southeastern tent village is offset from the base of your hill by 100 feet or so. So hopefully that's clear uh, if it isn't, then check out the website where the map is available. So Harry is going to have been describing this to Turk.
2: Gosh, they've stopped the canal altogether? The magic wall? Oh, and It does sound like there's far more people here than I thought Wago had with him. We need all the help we can.
3: Well, maybe now would be a good time to look what Argo gave us and see what uh, might be useful.
1: You guys sit down and you take account of these assets that Argo has given. There appears to be One potion, and it's kind of this muddy brown liquid. It has like some floating fish scales, it looks like a hummingbird tongue and like crushed feather, as well as like cat claw inside of it. There is a very fine and lightweight crocheted rope. Then there are two pouches filled with powder. One is almost kind of like pepper. It kind of makes you sneeze, makes it like an irritant to your lungs. And it's a lot more of this like kind of black powder. And another one is a light gray sort of talcum powder. And uh, it's very fine on your fingertips.
3: Well, uh, does anybody know what these things do?
2: Oh, that potion will let you speak with the animals. Yeah, it's helpful, but it's not always interesting to hear what they have to say. And I know that dust is the culprit of many pranks around the tribes, sneezing and choking. Get a single handful of that and you'll have a red nose for almost a fortnight.
4: Cool, what is this powder stuff?
0: I think I've seen something like this before. Sometimes we use it to cross the desert. It is able to contain a good amount of water and you can take it with you. In a small, very carryable, manageable amount. I, I believe this is a dust
3: of dryness, they call it.
4: That's super cool.
3: Harry's going to pick up the rope and examine it. Well, I mean, I guess it never hurts to have rope, but it seems a little bit fancy for what we're doing. It's crocheted? I didn't even know you crocheted rope.
2: <laughs> a crocheted rope? Is it brown and rosemary colored?
3: Uh, what color is Rosemary. Harry's gonna whisper to Forge. Yeah, that's what
2: I was just thinking. <laughs> you know, like a sage green. The rich and robust smell. Turk grabs the rope and twists it a little bit and smells it, and he's like, oh, that's gotta be Jacob's rope. Helpful for climbing. He uses it scaling Mount Karawa, because he's too scared to do it without a rope. This rope listens to a few command words. It can grow taut or climb up a wall by itself, fasten or unfasten at either end. Uh, It's rightfully handy to have a smart rope like that. Good strength, too.
4: Could it even hold my weight and Brutus?
2: I should be able to. Give it a good tug and smell, and then hand it back to Harry. There's
3: a lot we could do with this. Maybe climb. (laughs) Exactly.
4: Well, dang. These are really cool items. There's so many cool items out in the universe. And I, like, take my book out and, like, write down all the items that we got. Right underneath the items that I saw at the Arcanist's house. Like, there's a whole section for cool items.
1: Alright, Turk, and then of course you notice as you pat your your belly pocket on your overalls, you have five of the sacred sticks. I'm
2: gonna take the sacred sticks out of my belly pocket and stick them in the ground um, like a star-shaped diagram. Bring the tops together then, like, twist it in the earth, creating a little ritualistic circle in the ground. Lift them out each holding on to, like, a trailing essence of dirt falling through the air like smoke behind it. And you can each take one of these. Now they're bonded, like we have been during our travels. Pass out these silver-blood mangrove sticks. They're smoky dirt trails, to each of the four other members of our party.
0: So what exactly do these sticks do?
2: The sticks grow from the same sacred tree. As long as I stay here and Keep the root stick in place. Magic will spread between all of us, helping us communicate, covering your skin, and I'll be present with each one of you, able to add my magics to your own movements. While you wear this, you have to be careful to act with certainty and not disgrace the spirits, or the wood will reject you and harden in
1: place. Ooh, that's fascinating. And Gunder just looks curiously at the stick before he tucks it into his pocket. So, uh taking
0: a look, there's a lot going on down there. Did we want to, to destroy the temple entrance? Destroy the tunnel?
4: And bury it in water, I think that's the plan.
3: Well, it seems like we'll need to figure out some way to get the spell off that wall of water, and that would pretty well flood the temple entrance, keep them out of there for a while. Aye, that's true. If I remember correctly, they have um
0: six different suspenders, they call them. Two at the top surface on either side,
1: two on the middle, and then two at the very bottom. I think if we can at least disrupt a, a couple of them, uh, or one side, it would make the
0: wall slip and fill. Of course, the more we get taken out, the faster the water
3: will flow.
4: I think we could use the animals as a distraction.
3: I think that's a good idea, Forge. We could try to... Get the animals on our side and maybe get them to cause a disturbance. And I also think if we could blow up the Skluck tank, that would surely draw a crowd. Meanwhile, some others of us could be trying to get rid of the water catches on the west side of the canal. Maybe get that side to start leaking. Flood the entrance. I don't know. It seems like it could work.
2: I, I should be able to help overwhelm that water with a large wave. Maybe only a few of the barriers broken down, and once we have the water directed in there and the Skluck tank destroyed, those tracks altered, we'll have a hell of a lot of angry tribesmen around here. And if we don't give them somewhere to go or something to do, they'll go right back to digging there. Or coming for us.
4: Should someone try and talk to Wago? Or is he just out of his mind?
2: Oh, I did tell Algo I would try to talk with him.
0: But getting across there would be very dangerous, not to mention if you want to get to the west side of the canal, uh, some of us are going to have to swim. How long do y'all think it would take to walk around? Could take a couple hours, especially if you're trying to move as silently as
3: possible. Well, we probably don't want to attack during the day. I mean, might as well take as much aid as we can get and use the cover of darkness.
2: Well, if we start by going on to Wago's tent... We could have a team head over there with that handy climbing rope, try to scale the wall and start the night on top of that platform, while we have another team who stay here and address the animals
0: in the stables on the east side. Okay, so we all have very good iterations of the plan. I think we have a good final one now.
2: Okay, this operation will consist of two teams. Team 1, Eagle Talon, will be myself, Brutus, and Forge. Then Team 2, Team Yellowflower, will be Harry and Gunder. Now, Eagle Talon will head through the forest to the south, circumnavigating the entire camp and approaching again from the west, getting in position to take down the supports in the Wall of Water. Meanwhile, Team Yellowflower...
3: Ah, yeah, that's right. Team Yellowflower... Me and Gunder here. We're gonna use the potion from Argo to try to make friends with whatever animals live in the stables. Use those as our getaway. From there, we'll wait till, what do you say, 11? 12 a.m.? Let's do midnight. Yeah, at midnight, we'll destroy the Skluck tanks. Create a distraction on the east side of the camp. Draw all the attention over there. That'll give Strike Team 1, Talon Eagle Feather, an opportunity to move in on the wild water and try to destroy it. Meanwhile, Gundra and I'll move uh, towards the west side with some horses to be the getaway when y'all break the water and we get out of here.
2: And when you're escaping, I may be able to use the magics to help carry you and the horses over the canal, the spell of water walking. Not sure how much magic it's gonna take to destroy that dam first though, so I may not be able to at that point. We'll be in communication through the sticks though.
0: Are. And I figure we will take the rope. Forge and I will rappel down to the base of big site. Start by taking bottom suspenders out. Climb up rope and take the entire western side of suspenders off. And by the time we are at the top, the thing will flood. And we'll be
3: there with the horses to take us out of here.
4: Yeah, and hide in the trees to the west and head north back to the town.
3: All right. Well, god dang it,
0: we've got a plan. And it's not the worst one I've ever heard. <laughs> let's uh, let's see how this goes.
4: I wish everyone luck. And to you. Except I don't have any magic, so it's literally just me saying good luck.
1: There's magic in words. All right, Team Eagle Talent. It is going to take you at least four hours to completely circumnavigate the tent city while being stealthy, and I will require stealth rolls from you all.
2: We'll go, yeah, extra slow.
1: Okay, if you want to go extra slow, I'll give you advantage, Turk, but I will negate the disadvantage to the Warforce, but it would take you six hours instead.
4: Could we make it there by midnight? We
1: could just... Change the time. I mean if we already know ahead of time that they're gonna go slow to be quiet. And if you guys have the sticks, you can just use that as like a walkie-talkie so okay. to speak. Yeah, yeah. that's true. Shh.
2: Team Eagle Talon to Yellow Flower. We are approaching, but making slow progress. The time of the distraction may need to be late in just a little bit.
3: Copy that Team Eagle Talon. We're in place, and we'll wait your uh, signal.
1: Yellow flower out. For your guys' group stealth, taking this extra time. Turk, you get advantage and the Warforged don't have disadvantage anymore. Forge, what was your stealth? Nine. Okay. And Brutus rolled a seven. Turk, what did you roll? Uh, 20, not natural. So now it is time for the scout's perception. All right.
4: God damn it. Oh, we spent so much time on this plan.
1: <laughs> I know, the best laid plans. So you continue southward Going around the bulk of the tent village and getting very close to the outcropping upon which Wago's tent sits. And there's a small cluster of tents kind of at the base of this hill. You are near this secondary tent village, we'll call it the elite tent village, when suddenly... Hey! Hey, there's people over here! Two shiny ones! So at this point, what do you do?
4: I grab my stick and I say you guys take out the wall of water we're gonna be the distraction now I guess and I want to start running and I'm gonna tell Turk I need you to keep hidden and Brutus and I are just gonna run around and be a distraction. That sound good?
2: Sounds good. Turk hits the ground and his features immediately elongate just a little bit into that primal savagery long badger like fingernails. I slash at the earth underneath one of the large trees there, exposing some roots. As I pull my body into it, the druid craft creates a little shell of twisting roots and leaves and stems around me. So it kind of covers up everything but my longer, snarling face. I pull the silver blood mangrove out of the belly pocket of my overalls, my now fanged claws and hold on to it. The level of burning dirt smoke coming off of it starts to increase and cake the roots around me with like a light dirtying. And the little bit of dirt starts to emanate from the sticks on Forge and Brutus's person as well. So much so that it starts to crystallize large chunks of mud and bark, casting bark skin on all members of the party holding one of the sticks. Bark's going to give them an AC of 16. But everybody now has these thick shards of bark all over their bodies, like a uniform.
1: Okay. All right, sounds good. You are now all bark ninjas. Mm -hmm. Time to ninja in like flies. All right, so going quickly over to group two, which is what? Yellow flower. All right, yellow flower. You have just heard that your teammates have been compromised. Gunder looks up at you, Harry. What what do we do? Ah,
3: toads and toadstools, Harry swears. That plan lasted, what, two hours? God damn. Well, all right. Here's what we're going to do, Gunder. You take the potion. You try to make friends with the animals. Yeah, Lord knows you're better at talking to people than I am anyhow. Try to get them to cause some kind of distraction. I'm going to wait and then try to sneak through the village and just throw everything I have at that wall of water. We're only gonna get one shot at this. Alright, you ready? Ready as I'll ever be. Harry clasps Gunder's hand. It was good to know you. Hope I see you again. And then with a flourish of his cloak, he starts moving away. As he leaves, he feels this tingling on his skin. Harry starts frantically touching his arms. He really doesn't know what's happening. And then he sees this protective shell of bark and dirt
1: forming. And there's the image of Turk pops into his mind and he smiles and continues towards the village. Gundar looks at his hand in awe as well as the bark skin ripples down his arm. Okay, well, let's go. Gunder pops the cork on the bottle, the potion of animal friendship, and he downs it. And he descends down the hill as well, making his way over to the stables.
0: Gundar is
1: unfortunately going to have to do a stealth check in order to get down there, now that everyone is on alert. Gundar rolls a 10 to his stealth. Luckily for Gunder, the scouts roll a critical fail to their perceptions. Gunder manages to kind of wade through the long brush and make his way to the stables in the darkness. None of the scouts really care about the animals. They figure the animals will make a warning if someone's nearby. Gunder approaches a bear. Okay, well, I guess I'll just talk now. Uh, excuse me,
0: Mr. Bear? The bear turns. Oh. Uh,. You speak bear, huh? Uh, yes, Mr. Bear. I I do speak animal. And I've come here on a very, very important diplomatic mission. Looking around,
1: seems like all of you are contained. Don't you miss running free, eating whatever food you like? Look at that caribou over there. Doesn't he look nice and juicy? And Gunder is going to try to cast Animal Friendship. The bear had to overcome a wisdom check of 13. The bear only rolls 9
0: oh yeah you know i do miss eating everything yummy been a while since i had fish yeah been a while right they have tons of fish over in their tents they're keeping that food from you you go you should go get your friends get them all and just go running wild eat your
1: food you know stretch your legs here i'll try to help open the pen and we're gonna shift over to Harry. Harry would actually probably just hang out behind the stables, waiting for
3: Gunder to clear out with the animals, and then he would just because that's the shortest line to the wall of water. So if he basically just hung out behind the stables, wait for Gunder to make
1: a distraction, then he would just kind of rush the wall of water all right so if you just kind of want to hold your action for right now that that will work so yeah i think that's probably what harry would be doing so i'm just gonna hold you right now you're waiting for the stampede cool now i'm gonna go over to uh brutus and forge forge brutus looks over to you so what do you think we send them on the goose chase or do we fight
4: let's get him brother
0: it's all right
4: away from turk though obviously And I run in between the two tent villages, his eyes start to glow bright red, and he just roars out and enters a rage. And as I scream out, a steam emits, and my ancestral guardians take form. I got 26 to attack.
1: Very nice. Alright, how much damage?
4: Six damage. You go
1: running and just charging into this open space where there is a handful of gold tribe rebels. You bring your maul across, hitting this first guy square in the chest, and... While it was not a lethal blow, you take him off of his feet, and he sprawled into the grass.
4: As I hit the first Gold Tribes member, they fully apparate.
1: Yeah, you see Anvilla apparate with her maul, and you see Flux with his big-ass eyebrows, and he's just, like, punching out, wylin'. Also, you're level 5 now, so you get a second attack within that action.
4: Ha! And because Forge is so used to battling people now, he has learned to use the energy of his forward swing and whip it around and get a back swing um, with his level up. So he is going to attack again with his maul, just bring it around, hit the guy next to him. And I got 12 to hit.
1: You just miss this guy. He manages to calculate your backswing and steps back, just barely missing your maul strike. As your ancestral guardians apparate and as they take on their full form, you hear Brutus call out a bloodthirsty war cry before going to attack this onslaught of men. So Brutus gets an 18, and Brutus gets a 10. His first attack lands, and he just bashes into one of these rebels, sprawling them out on the grass. Come on! Who wants some? And looking around, you see there is an absolute flood of rebels. I mean, you're facing something like 70 right now, and it seems like there are more in the tent village coming.
4: Okay, so as Brutus attacks the guy, and I see all these people, kind of running our direction, I say, maybe we should leave them on a goose chase and go into the forest and try to draw them even further away. Uh, I don't
1: know. I was, uh, you got me all hyped up. <laughs> so now we're going to move to Turk. So Turk, you cast your spells. You are now buried inside this burrow that you've made for yourself and tangled with roots. You can feel the thundering of <laughs> hundreds of footfalls not so far from you and you can hear the battle cries of your warforged companions what would you like to do right now so
2: inside of this dirty clump like the wet earth roils and moves underneath turk and slops over his head covering his eyes as little pea clumps of sprouts move out all over his chest and face until it encompasses inside of his ears and over his scarred eye holes up his nose and with a sudden sharp jolt Turk feels like the gift of vision again through the eyes of his teammates uh wearing the spark skin as he's connected to and looks around even in the nighttime is just aghast remembering how complicated the world is when it's not just what his opinion of everything was It has an actual own shape and sense of itself that was lost in his own head and uh, seeing this massive army of his former tribe coming towards Forge and Brutus, um, Turk will pull against the earth while looking through their eyes and cast plant growth on a 100 foot radius area in front of them, causing the plant life to become extremely thick and overgrown and any creature moving through it will have to spend four feet of movement for every one foot moved.
1: So uh, my question will be: Do you want this to form closer to the elite tet village or closer to the big Tet village?
2: Um, this is to protect Forge and
1: Brutus. So just right in front of them. Yeah,
2: from the largest clump of people running at them.
1: Okay, Forge, you feel the silver blood mangrove stick on it. the sacred stick kind of start to shake and a certain energy seems to ripple out from you as a small shockwave, as suddenly the ground in front of you, all of this turf and all these bushes and shrubs, start growing wildly, twisting, unfurling, and creating a 100 foot radius of tangled vegetation. And this definitely swallows up a good amount of the warriors that are coming towards you, distracting them.
3: Wow, cool.
1: Sweet, that makes get the way a little easier, right?
4: Eh? Yeah, let's go.
1: All right. So now we're going to go back to Gunder. Gunder is going to try to stealth and unlock the pen. Nice. So Gunder rolled a ten for his stealth, and I guess the gods are with him because the scouts rolled a counter of eight. Gunder manages to sneak over despite all the chaos. Watching the bear kind of meander around all these other animals and seems to talk to them hey, hey, we can go get some food. There's a little guy gonna let us out there. You know, it's gonna, it's gonna be great. Let's go run Gunder pulls the latch and throws open the door to the pen and the animals come flooding out rushing out and running southward creating a huge rampage through the larger portion of the tent village an elk just plows through a tent and takes it off the ground completely bears go rummaging through everyone's food stores it is an absolute chaos and i believe that's what harry was waiting for so harry what would you like to do at this point
3: so i imagine that harry is in like a track stance waiting for the last animal to, like, go by. And as he sees that, he just goes at a dense sprint and is making his way through the camp towards that southeastern corner of the wall of water.
1: You go running through the tent village. I'm, I'm gonna kinda still need you to make a stealth. I would give you uh, an advantage, but because you're kinda sprinting, you're kind of throwing stealth to the wind. So the scout is just gonna have to make a base roll against your base roll. So go ahead and make a stealth checkpoint here. Oof, Uh here got a seven. The scouts get a 13, so as you go plowing through the tent village, you see some scouts, and you hear them, Hey!
3: There's someone running! There's someone running!
1: And you can see behind you a handful, probably four or five scouts, that all start pursuing you. Word. So now we're going to go back to Forge and Brutus. Forge, looking out in front of you, you see that... A hundred of these Gold Tribe Rebels have gotten tangled up in the dense overgrowth of, of plants. Looking east towards the larger tent village, you see probably another couple hundred torches, but you also hear the bellowing of elk and bears and people screaming. That utter chaos has just erupted to your northeast.
4: I am going to run. I'm going to head southwest into the forest and behind, like, Wago's hill that his tent is perched on and try and make my way over there, trying to get people to follow me. And I'm like, come on, Brutus! We gotta go!
1: All right, let's go! And Brutus takes the foot behind you. Uh, you go running. Go ahead and make an athletics check for me.
4: I got a 10 to athletics.
1: Oh, plus you're in a rage, which gives you advantage on strength as well.
4: Sweet. I got... 25 to
1: athletics. Hell yes.
4: Raging is awesome.
1: The scouts got six to their athletics, so you go running westward, trying to get behind Wago's Hill, and you easily outpace them by a mile. But unfortunately, Brutus rolls a critical fail. Oh, God
4: damn
0: it!
1: He tries to run, but gets tangled up in some of the roots and spills forward. A cluster of 15 rebels start gathering around.
4: I'll be back for you! Don't die!
1: Just go! Just go! Turk, you're now seeing everything through everyone's eyes. You've pulled a real bran, and... (laughs) Just be more useful, okay? Don't (laughs) just sweat in the corner. Yeah, (laughs) that's right. You see Brutus get tangled up in your roots, and he falls to the ground. He's being overwhelmed by rebels. You see Forge running westwards trying to get towards Wago's tent. You see Gunder unleash a stampede of wild animals that are successfully creating a huge rampage through the eastern tent village. And you see Harry now being pursued by about five scouts as he is sprinting towards the wall of water. What would you like to do?
2: The feel of running with harry i feel the movement of his bark armor you know as if it was my own body how far ahead of him is the wall of water
1: yeah so harry still seems like he's about 150 feet away from the wall of water a good sprint
2: so he's still got a little ways to go oh yeah yeah if i cast jump on him that just triples his jump distance but like if combined with like a a dash and some big jumps would that help him get there quicker
1: how about we say if you do cast jump on him that it'll give him advantage to evading the scouts that are pursuing it
2: and i'll cast jump on harry through the bark armor and he just feels the the legs of that armor power up and start assisting all of his movements as he runs through the streets, through the camps, the <laughs> streets. <laughs>
1: through the dirt roads. Um, yeah, Harry, you can feel a, a real spring in your step. Like you could just leap from this earth almost. With that, it is going to be Gunders turn. I think Gunder also understands that he needs to fucking get to that wall of water. So he is going to try to sprint through the tent village and evade any scouts. He's gonna roll in athletics. Gunder starts sprinting his very fastest. He's running through the tent village. Some tents are on fire. He sees an elk that has a flaming tent on its horns and it's tangled up. A group of gold rebels pull out their spears, snarling and spitting curses at this elk, and just keep stabbing it and stabbing it. Gunder sees them burying their plaque-rotted teeth, their skin covered with black, tacky lesions. Such hate and animosity in their eyes as they take out these animals that are or were supposed to be their allies. Gunder gets tripped up by this, taken aback, and he doesn't notice two gold tribe rebels, one dwarf and one Goliath. They snarl through their black gums. We're gonna tear you apart. That's where we're gonna have to leave Gunder. Harry, you are getting closer and closer to the tent village. You feel this spring in your step, and there are still five scouts hot on your heels. You can go ahead and make an athletics check with advantage. Alright.
3: First one is an 18, second one is a 9. You're gonna go with that 18. Harry is just full on sprinting towards that wall of water, and he is just gonna get there as fast as he can and then trying to do something.
1: Harry, as you approach the rail line, you are very grateful that you have this leaping ability because you leap over the rail line, which would have otherwise hung you up, as these scouts barely miss grabbing you as you leap over and towards the wall of water. You make it now to the edge of the canal as you watch these rebels clamber painfully over this rail line, just plaque rock covered, but each one of them with just rage and reckless abandon in their eyes. Okay, so after Harry, we go to Forge. So, Forge, you see that now Brutus is being overwhelmed by scouts. And looking up to Wago's hill, you see two forms. One, that you expect to be Wago. He is strong and imposing. But another one, even scarier. You assume he's a Goliath by his stature, and he's a big Goliath at that. He bellows in rage.
3: Kill the intruders! Oh, we fought, guys. Sorry for my shit plan, y'all. That went bad. It's a
2: good plan. We're gonna be okay. Don't worry, Team Yellowflower. We're still all in this.
1: Forge, what would you like to do? Alright,
4: so, seeing Wago standing up there looking down at us, and his close associate just being so evil my rage just builds and builds and builds and i just cannot stand him he's pure fucking evil and he needs to be destroyed and so i like tell my ancestors i'm like we have a new target guys he's the one who's cast all this evil into this land and we need to destroy him so my ancestral guardians barrel ahead of me and i run up there and charge him.
1: With your action, you could get to the top of the hill, but you probably could not engage in an attack quite yet.
4: I'm gonna do that, and then as I get up there, I'm gonna use a bonus action and say, Ignis, bring it on, bitch. Can I roll an intimidation?
1: You can totally roll an intimidation.
4: 12 to intimidate.
1: Nice, you just match. So you go sprinting to the top of this hill your glittering ancestors surrounding you, and you see now this man that you have been looking to hunt, Wago, with his long, dark, black hair. He's much, much more slender than his father, but he has an uncanny resemblance. He looks at you with a stony cool, unaffected by your intimidating form. His companion, a large, bald Goliath, hulking and muscular, seems a bit shaken, Nervous that those two appear to be outnumbered. The light from your flames glitter off of your hypoxium form, your red eyes glowing menacingly. Wago speaks a few quiet words to himself, and using his action he casts Bark Armor, making himself a bark suit not unlike your own. He takes a defensive stance and twirls his quarterstaff, and uses his bonus action to cast Shillelagh. Green light emanates from the rings in the woods. His quarterstaff warps, forming grotesque knots, making it a lethal bludgeoning weapon. Wago turns to notice his companion, the Large Goliath, and sees he is wide-eyed, his weapon slack in his hands, and fear written upon his hideously scarred visage. Are you scared, Bulgo? You've dismantled a Tahosian before. Bring this one to me, in pieces if you have to. Balgo for his turn has to make a Wisdom save. He gets a 17. Recognizing your intimidating form, he rolls his shoulders back and bares his teeth, gripping his battle axe firmly. No longer fearful of you, Forge, he nods toward you and grunts. Oh, he doesn't look like a Taohian, but I'll chop him up just the same. And that's his turn. These rebels jump on top of Brutus, snarling, cursing, spitting their rot spit on him. And he is getting pinned down in a dog pile. And it seems for a moment that everything has gone still as these gold tribe rebels pump their arms back and forth trying to shank Brutus. And with one large hydraulic whine and a roar, Brutus lifts himself up, throwing his arms, scattering these men 10 feet around him. I killed the Calderin before. I've lived 400 years. You're going to need to do better than that. Turk. You see all of these things happening around you. Brutus is surrounded, but he seems strong and ready to fight. Forge is right up against Wago and Balgo. The first time you've seen him, well, really since he took your eyes. He has a long, brutal scratch where you assumed you clawed him three long scars down his face. His mouth is caked in plaque rot. Half of his face has been torn apart by this terrible disease. And you can just see that he was a hateful man to begin with, but he's just absolutely seething with malice.
2: Oh, you watch out for that one. I know he looks sick now, but he's deadly. I'm saying that right into Forge's bark armor
1: helmet.
4: Yeah, he looks creepy as fuck. I mutter as I'm, like, stanced, ready to attack.
1: You also notice Harry is right at the edge of the wall of water. And Gunder is about to be captured by gold tribe scouts.
2: I look and I, I feel Turk's hand buried underneath all this wet mud and now moving insects. It was rolling, feeling the power of the acid arrow, just ready to cast out through Forge's arm out at Balgo. But seeing Gunder about to get captured, no, I gotta help him out. And Gunder's arms will grab into the earth and pull up a web of roots and thorns and pull it up into place above the earth, casting entangle on the people closing in on him. And they'll have to make a strength saving throw.
1: Uh, They managed to get a 16.
2: That will... that'll pass.
1: Despite this large tangle of roots trying to grasp at these men's legs, they managed to kind of hop and dart around, evading the ensnaring roots, but still very much caught in this difficult terrain. You've at least bought Gunder a little time.
2: Now be safe and go help out Harry. Looks like
1: he's getting close. Seeing these two Gold Tribe rebels still making their way through the tangling vines towards him, Gunder looks around frantically and darts down a thin passageway between two tents. As he runs through to the other side, he comes to a clearing between tents where he sees a wolf feasting upon a fallen rebel. The wolf lifts its gore caked face and it turns to look at Gunder. Gunder puts his hands up and he tries to speak to this wolf. Hey there, nice puppy. Uh, You think you could maybe give me a ride? Uh, There are some fellows coming who won't be too happy to see you eating, uh, him. Gunder is going to cast Animal Friendship. The wolf rolls a nine for its wisdom saving throw. The wolf looks at him for a moment. Sure, this one's too stringy anyway. Let's go. Gunder shrugs and climbs upon the wolf's back just in time to see the rebels running through the tents into the clearing.
0: Alright, there they are!
1: Haste! Haste! As fast as a fleeting shadow, the wolf races out of this clearing and back into the chaos of the tent village. Harry, you are now standing at the eastern edge of the dig site, looking at this wall of water. So this dig site is about 150 feet across and it is only 30 feet deep. Looking, you can actually see the glowing blue lights, the glowing blue runes that are etched onto each hypoxium suspender. You see that there is a suspender right at the top, right next to your foot, one suspender 15 feet down, and another suspender all the way at the bottom. Likewise, you can see the lights of three other suspenders on the far side of the wall of water. What would you like to do?
3: So I would like to reach down and cast Thunder Wave on the topmost suspender. Now Thunder Wave has a range of a 15 foot cube.
1: So would that reach down and hit the second most suspender as well? Well, so it's a fi- is it a 15 foot radius or a 15 foot diameter? 15 foot cube. 15 foot cube. So that would, to me, mean that that's the diameter. So that. It, it would not. It would not hit the second suspender. Well, uh, aren't you just so much
3: fun? Yeah,
1: I'm not gonna give it to you. I mean, Obviously, Turk is my favorite because he's turned into Brand. so... <laughs> <laughs> well, shit. Okay, I'm still just gonna fucking
3: lean down and smack Thunder Wave onto the first most uh, suspender. So, uh, that means it needs to make a constitution saving throw. It's going to
1: instantly fail. Okay, so that is... 12 damage. Alright. That will easily blast that suspender to pieces. And you see a good portion of water now starts streaming out into the dig site. It's not gonna fill it up quickly, and it probably won't fill up the temple quickly. There's a lot more suspenders you gotta blow out.
3: Here he uh, is happy with his work, and we'll uh, focus on getting ready for the next one.
1: Okay. So after Harry, we go to Forge. So Forge, you are now standing before Wago and who you now know as Balgo.
4: So I would like to reach in my pocket and grab that dust, the coughing, sneezing dust. Cool. And chuck it in between at them.
1: At both of them? Yeah. Okay, brilliant. I love it. Okay, so they need to make constitution saves of 15. Balgo rolls a natural 20. Like Turk mentioned, this is a prank that a lot of the kids use. So he manages to hold his breath and jumps out of the way of this dust.
3: Natural 20?
1: No, 7. <laughs> <laughs> so you peg Wego with this dust of coughing and choking, and he just grabs at his throat this... this Fierce man, this leader of rebels that you've built up as a great enemy is now sneezing and coughing and choking on all fours Really struggling to breathe
4: And then I want to charge forward with all my force and strike Wago first
1: So if you strike Wago, he is considered incapacitated Let me make sure that's accurate Incapacitated and suffocating So, when someone is incapacitated, that means your attacks instantly natural 20.
4: Okay, so I want to do two big attacks on him. I'm going to focus all my rage on him. So,
1: you roll two criticals, so we're going to have you roll, yeah, it's (laughs) insta-hit, so you just, I think you just have to roll it. Yeah, so double double that that? will be 32 damage with the first strike. 32? Oh my god. Oh no, 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 21 plus 34. He's gonna be 55. Five, dude, that's hot. You take two big slices into him. You don't kill him, but you super well bloody him. So Forge, you go ahead and you tell me.
4: So after Forge throws this dust of coughing and sneezing, Wago just inhales it all and like gets on his knees, grasping at his throat, trying to get air and coughing and sneezing. Forge runs up to him and screams, I will purge your evil from this earth and cleanse you with fire. And I just take my sword and I cut right next to his neck, take his entire right arm off of his body and, um, and scream at him, your evil shall not exist in this land so long as I survive. My backswing, I'm going to just, yeah, try and stab him, like, in the gut, in the stomach.
1: And it punctures through his torso.
4: And he just, and I get face-to-face with him. My eyes are just glowing red and, like, and having images of all the awful plaque-rot-ridden things. I, like, am just pounding that into his eyes and be like, look at the destruction you have caused. And, like, just, like, basically a film of, like, all the evil things I've seen. You did this you will pay for what you have done
1: god damn all right after seeing his leader really just get fucked up balgo cries out wago no he's gonna run forward and bash you with his shoulder he gets 16 versus your armor class
4: that meets
1: he deals seven damage go ahead and make that strength saving throw
4: you got 17 awesome
1: All right, so he bashes you, and while you do not land prone, you are backed away from Wago a step or two. He's going to reel around with his two-handed axe, and take two swipes at you. Twenty-two to attack. Hit. And twenty-four to attack. Hit. He is going to deal twenty-three damage to you. You will only take half for raging, so that's you round down, so you're only going to take eleven damage.
4: Yes, rage. We love you.
1: Yeah, so he just comes and collides with these two strong hits. You will die for what you've done.
4: Not if you die first, evil son of a bitch.
1: So Wago's going to have to make a constitution roll to see if he gets over his choking and sneezing. All right, he gets 216. So in Wago's mind, he knows that he is in a dire situation, and he needs to fight with his last breaths to not die here and now. That, unfortunately for him, ends his turn to stifle his coughing and sneezing. All right, uh, now it's Brutus' turn. Brutus tries to attack these rebels with his best ability, but they are outnumbering him, and they manage to grab his arms, grab his legs, and kind of immobilize him, all the while cursing, spitting. Some of them even try to bite him, to no avail. And some of their teeth get broken off because they're all plaque-rotted and disgusting. You are all crazy wild animals. <laughs> now we're going to go to Turk, being uh, being the quadruple-eyed hawk falcon.
2: Oh, that's great. Yeah, the pox falcon.
1: <laughs> no, he said hawk falcon.
2: So feeling the like shutters of force in the arms, of the Bark Armor covering Forge as he smashes into Wago is shocking and horrifying to see him getting taken down. My old friend, I wish that I would gotten to communicate with him. Um, And Harry is so close as he's a shockwave against the foundations of the water wall. I'm gonna help pull that water down. Harry's arms rise up with the force of the Bark Armor and I'll cast Tidal Wave through him. As he just reaches out. and and feels the strength cause the current in this resting canal to just surge southwards down towards the open entrance.
1: Alright, so if you want to go and try to attack those uh, suspenders, they would fail any saving throw. So, so is, how much of an area is affected?
2: The area can be up to 30 feet long and 10 feet wide and 10 feet tall.
1: What's the damage total?
2: That's 18 damage.
1: All right, so that is enough to break all of the eastern side suspenders. So half of this 150-foot-long and 30-feet-deep wall of water gives way. And now it is filling up the dig site rapidly. You see it kind of spirals as it's filling up the tunnel. Harry, you see that this dig site is being filled. It seems like you have successfully flooded the dig site.
2: And my attention will turn right back to the fight taking place with Wago, as Turk is eager to keep watching that.
1: So now we're going to go to Gunder. Gunder is going to ride his wolf all the way to the engine yard. This wolf easily outpaces any of the scouts, and being an ally to the animals, there is no resistance for Gunder. He makes his way to the engine yard and finds his way to a steam shovel. He climbs up into the driver's seat and turns on the ignition. The lights of the steam shovel glare onward as the torrent of water rushes below. Oh, if I could say something really cool right now, that would be awesome. (laughs) And he cranks forward Um. the lever, and the steam shovel starts plowing southward into the tent village. Harry, it is now your turn. You're watching as half of this canal is able to soak the ground and starts flowing into the Temple of Gulthias. So, Harry just kind of
3: relaxed and let the bark armor and Turk's spirit take over as they just bring down this eastern side of the wall of water. Does it look like any tangible benefit would be gained from trying to break the other side, aside from having it go faster, or is it pretty much going to happen?
1: Um, I mean, it would go it would go faster if you could break the other side of the wall of water, but right now you have, like, it's rushing right in front of you, and it's unlikely you'd be able to cross easily.
3: Well, looks like we've flooded the temple, but I don't know where anybody else is. I don't know who's making it. My Turk seems still alive. Ah, this would be a great time to have Bob. Aerial support would be fantastic. But... All right, I guess I should just get over to the other side of the camp, see what I can do for him.
2: Psh! Eagle Talon to Yellow Feather.
3: This is... this is Yellow Flower.
2: Eagle Talon to Yellow Flower. <laughs>
3: <laughs> this is Yellow Flower. What's going on over there, Eagle Talon?
2: Brutus is still overwhelmed, and Wago is... putting up a fight. Think of yourselves and get to safety with Gunder.
0: You sure? I don't
3: feel right just leaving you. Oh, I got... I got a hold of a steam shovel. I'm ready to roll. All right, I'll try to grab a machine and... Follow Gundor over to you guys. So I guess with that, Harry
1: would run, leap, make his way over to the engine yard, uh, and try to get into and start a machine. You can easily do that with your turn. Uh, So there's like a bulldozer, essentially, the equivalent of a bulldozer, uh, and another steam shovel. How mobile would that bulldozer be? If you got the steam shovel, you could swing it back and forth and you could like knock things around and like push and pull. But if you got a bulldozer, that's pretty much like you're just romping, but uh, it wouldn't give you as much alacrity. It's higher speed, but not as much mobility.
3: I want the bulldozer.
1: Um, So Harry's going to run into the bulldozer and uh, get that started. And you can feel the power of this engine just rumble on as this whole machine shakes. And you can see, looking at the dashboard, you see printed on the metal, it says, Tlacatl Industries. It's Adelia Tlacatl, that's her family. Harry Harry notes this. All right, and it rumbles on, and next turn you can you can act with that. So now we're gonna go back to Forge.
4: Forge brings up his sword yet again. The flames just seem to explode out as it just got two huge hits, and he brings it down again. Um, at Wago and gets a 25 to hit.
1: All right, well 25 definitely hits. How much damage is that?
4: 15 damage. And I am just dead set on killing him. So I'm going to take my backswing and hit again for 23 to hit. <laughs> that
1: hits. How much damage?
4: Six seventeen damage.
1: Forge. <laughs> Do you want to describe how you kill Wago?
4: Yeah. Even though Balgo is attacking from my back, all of my rage is just focused on Wego, knowing that he is the leader of this great evil. And after he sees all of this pain and anguish that he's caused, I think in his brain, he is a little bit confused and it throws him off his game and he has to focus all of his energy on catching his breath and not choking to death. And as he looks up at me, I can see in his eyes that he feels betrayed in some way and just looks kind of...
1: The expression on his face is one of complete shock. He did not think this is how it would end. Whether or not he believes what he did was right or wrong when you somehow magically showed him through your eyeballs.
4: (laughs) It's like a video. And he just brings down his sword and cuts near his neck and just leaves a huge gouge. And then he brings it back up and he strikes again in the exact same spot and just fucking slices his torso in half. And as Wego splits apart, Ford is gonna grab his long black hair and hold up the top of his head.
1: You reach out, grabbing for Wego's hair to hoist his severed head in front of the rebels. But something consumes your gaze and arrests your action. You see that Wago's eyes appear cloudy, and you see a distant purple light burning behind the cloudy corneas. His face twists from a mask of pain and betrayal to one of soul-consuming dread, as though he was still alive. You pause. You just beheaded him. He shouldn't be making faces, and it didn't seem like he was ever really scared of you. The heavy pounding of approaching footsteps breaks your fixation on this bewildering abomination.
5: go no! You will die!
1: You realize you were distracted too long, and just as you turn to face your enemy, you catch the glint of Balgo's axe in your periphery, descending upon you. Hey folks, hope you enjoyed the episode. This one was a blast to record, uh, but this wild ride is not over yet. We will release our next episode on the last Thursday of December, which will be Christmas Eve. Uh, So what a wonderful gift! As per usual, it's time to give some Thanksgiving shoutouts. One to our favorite medieval rock and roll band, Tartanic. We use their song Briefcase Number 1 for our intro, and we have links to other songs we use in this episode in the episode notes. If you crave more Highland Pipes, check out Tartanic on Apple Music, YouTube, Spotify, SoundCloud, or wherever you find your music. Also, I don't think we thank them enough, but thank you, Lou Fox, for being the voice for our intro. Uh, It's awesome, and we love it. So, thanks, Lou! Thanks again to Travis Savoye, the RPG Music Maker. He makes all sorts of really cool ambiance, sound effects, and musical tracks that meld perfectly into your tabletop games. Follow the link in the episode notes, or search his YouTube channel, RPG Music Maker, to find his work. Again, thank you to everyone who has been participating in our sticker giveaways. We are using this opportunity to make some different designs for our stickers, which we are super excited about. So keep your eye on our social media pages, and if you like what you see, participate in the giveaway. Earn yourself some stickers. Our next thank you is to you, dear listeners. We appreciate you taking the time to listen to the story we are weaving. If you enjoy our program, follow us, give us a review, share with a friend, or mention us on social media using hashtag TavernSquad or at us with at TavernSquad. If you're interested in getting in contact with us, you can message us on Facebook, Instagram, or our TavernSquad Gmail, and we would really love to hear from you. On that note, it's time for our pub Goblin, Sneed, to read out one of our five-star reviews. Are you ready,
5: Sneed? Boy, am I! All right, this review is from Star Rating System. All around fun. I'm not much of a D&D player myself, parenthesis, very novice, but the story is easy to follow, the characters all seem well-developed, and the players all seem as though they are having fun. The music is great, player interaction is great, Tavern Squad is fun to listen to, and it makes me want to join in. Well, the table's full, Star Rating System, but hey, you keep on playing that Dungeons & Dragons, it's a good time, so keep at it. And by the way, that name, Star Rating System, how do you rate a star, and on what do you rate a star by? I mean, you could kind of just let a star be a star, you know what I'm saying? You don't have to put it into a category, but that's just, that's, that's my feeling about it.
1: Um, Sneed, I don't think they're actually rating the stars.
5: Oh! Well then why would they make their name that?
1: Well, I don't know, Sneed. I'm sure they didn't really have much control over it, or... Maybe they do have a rating system. I don't know, but that's not our business. So I'm
5: going to get to the bottom of it and when I do. I'll understand exactly what a star is rated by. Well,
1: you go ahead and you do it, Sneed. And hey, thanks for reading out this review.
5: Of course, that's what I'm here for.
1: And if you want your review to be read, I read Leave it. us a review and we will read it.
5: Yeah, do it.
1: Leave a review. I can read. With that... The tavern is closing. Last call has been made. Wear a mask. Be safe. Love yourself. Just be a star. Just a star being a star. Toodaloo.